Today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast, providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. We recently joined as a member and you can too. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at P-O-D-G-O dot CEO. Don't forget to add the two-on-one podcast in the how did you hear about Podgo section of your application. Now get ready for the rest of the episode. Lads, we are back. Yep, still here. Hi guys. Hello. We're starting to get a bit of a routine here. I say we're back. Alex has his new line of we're still here. So Daniel is hello guys. The friendly smile on your face is going to be your thing. Yes, I'm the... uh... I'm the bridge. See, you're kind of like, remember Yu-Gi-Oh! There was the card, like, polymerization that would fuse people together. You have the hat that I sometimes wear. You've got the glasses that Alex has. So, really, Mm -hmm. you're the best of the two of us. Oh, thanks, guys. You're welcome. I'm like Blade. Like Wesley Snipes? Like, he has the power of the vampire, all the powers of the vampire. But none of their weaknesses. I didn't expect a Blade reference. To this <laughs> I tried to keep it comic book based. Yeah. Yeah, man. Breaking news, by the way. You think yeah. we're going to talk about hockey? Not to open the show. You think we're going to talk about basketball? We will a little later because Donald's going to be on the show in a few minutes. No. Breaking news. The guys don't even know I'm going to open the show with this. Because I just opened Instagram and I saw the funniest thing. The CFL and oh. XFL about to announce entering formal talks to explore opportunities. Yes, this is big news from Dave William Naylor. Great the, name. The Dave. Rock coming back to Canada. Vince McMahon in Toronto. Can you imagine? Does he still own it? Is that what's up? I know they sold the naming rights or something to The Rock. Mm. I don't know. So the didn't the Rock play in, or he was on a squad in the CFL for a very small period. Yeah, of time, for a right bit after university. Right, right, right. So the Rock's coming back to Canada. Love to see it. Is that do you ever do you remember the uh, PK Subban Steve Dangle conversation? Yes. Where Steve Dangle kind of burst out laughing. Where it's like you call him DJ or Dwayne, and then PK Subban's like, "I'm not gonna just go up and say, hey, the Rock, what's going on, man?'" No, yeah, I mean it's a good point. It's a good point. Like, I, well, I'm not, I don't know. Like, if I knew him on a personal level, I don't think I'd call him The Rock either. Hey, The Undertaker. What's going on, Matt? Yeah. Well, yeah. well I wouldn't go to The Undertaker and say, hey, Matt. I think that's, his, it's like Matt Calloway or something. It's a Mark Calloway, yeah. Mark Calloway. I'm not going to do that. I call him, yo, what's up, Taker? What up, bro? When you I was a kid. Those crappy nicknames like hockey players do. Yeah. Like, hey, Shotzi, you think they ever go and they're like, take it. You know what's funny? When I was a kid, I always thought his real name, I'm like, that sounds more like a hockey name. So I'd always to do create a player of a goalie named Mark Calloway for some reason. That's not bad. Um, I don't, I don't know what to say. CFL, man. Yeah, but before I know, before we get to hockey, I don't know if you guys have seen it, but I didn't, I didn't mention it before we started. 
for a very particular reason. Have you guys happened to see the Ferrari uh, car for next year? Why is there green? Daniel, have you seen it? Yeah, I, don't, I didn't get that. The burgundy, I'm, I can understand. I'm, I'm going to screen share. I don't know mm, if you guys can see green. my screen. It's right there. You know what I think? Maybe they're trying to incorporate more of the Italian flag. Like, you know, we use red way too much. No, no, so, no. For those of you who are no. not watching on the YouTube, first of all, how dare you? We're looking at what's going to be this season's Ferrari livery, right? And towards the, the rear wing, kind of like how for like this year Mercedes have sort of a blend into silver. Mercedes, Ferrari has the sort of back to burgundy that we saw in, was it Magello they wore? I, th- I think so. Yeah, and then there's also like right behind the driver's sort of seat are these like lines of green. Like it doesn't look bad, but at the same time, the green is more distracting than the giant shell on the side and at the front on the wing. Very weird to me. I don't you know, you know, it'd be a great promotion for this car. What McDonald's? Because you know how, um, for those of you who are not looking on the YouTube, um, there's UPS on the car. They should deliver packages with this car as U- like a promotion. The UPS, thing. Tr- the UPS car inside. I th- I believe it's like a brownish color. Mm-hmm. It should be red. Yeah. Um, you know. The deliveries are going to get there fast. I mean, Charles Leclerc would try and make a turn too early in the delivery and probably wipe out. But <laughs> oh, I love no. you, Charles. You're my favorite. But I, first off, I couldn't help. The first thing I noticed when you screen shared, it wasn't the Ferrari livery. It was you had about 12 tabs open on your computer. Oh, you always bring this up at every Yeah, I know. There's a girl in the program named Priya, Priya Hall. Uh, I had an English class with her in second semester. I think it was uh, children's literature. And like, I had, I didn't know her, right? And we just happened to have been in the same writing lab too. I'm um, like, the first conversation with her in this English class, it's like, what program are you in? Journalism? Oh, same. Who's your writing coach? David Singh. Same. Second year. Oh my God. Complete coincidence, right? So anyway, I get to know her and we're talking one day, right? And I'm like, you know, I don't know how it came up. I'm like, Priya, you know what I hate? She's like, what? I'm like, people who have too many tabs open. She just opens her computer and there's like a hundred. I'm like, this is impossible. I, I can't stand it. I, if I have more than two tabs open, like when we do the show and I have articles ready on my computer, it yeah. kills me. And that's why like in the doc, the moment we're done, people aren't going to notice. Whenever we're done talking about something in our Google doc, where we have our show notes. The yeah. moment we're done talking about it, I delete it because it just bothers me too much. Yeah. Same I, my I, I'm surprised because you're in English and you do a lot of essays. Yeah. When it comes to like, don't you like go back and forth between resources or like sources? Yeah. Or like once you look at one, you're like, I'm done. Yeah. Really? To go back. If Is it going to be inconvenient to then like have to reopen it and then close it? Yeah. It takes me a lot longer. Well, don't forget. I spend like way too much time on my essays, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm the guy who like, I'll finish it like a month early and then I'll spend the next month just constantly reviewing it. It takes a lot longer when you have to go back and keep opening it. Right. Mm-hmm. But it helps with my sanity. I you should teach me it. that. Just cl- right click, close it, man. It's that easy. Oh no, the uh, the essay early part. That's that's like, yeah. It's yeah. a very simple idea in creative writing that um, you're never done it when you're first when you're done your first draft. The moment you finish something, it's a first draft. Okay. You have to, like you need to take time. 
Like if, if a book is finished, Steve Dangle wasn't just done the book, right? No. You need to sleep on it more than just one day. You're going to have like six or seven drafts of something. That's the key mm. with like any sort of writing, like besides just creative stuff. It's really, really important. That's I mean, true. I I'm mean, not going to have, well, go on. No, I was just going to think about when you write an art, like when we write an article for a class or because Daniel's cool, he writes articles for the hockey writers. Um, <laughs> I know, I can't have Will Baldwin <laughs> finding <laughs> mistakes in those ones. <laughs> but um, no, but it, obviously once you've done the article, like when I, <clears throat> when I wrote my feature last year for my class, I think I rewrote like certain paragraphs like five times because I'm like, I, this isn't right. It just doesn't yeah. work. Yeah, man. It's just revision is so important. Like, listen, I'm a journalism student. If I ever had to, I, no one's going to, but if anyone, if anyone ever asked Adam, what's your key for writing? I'd say, listen, review Don't sell it. yourself short. And, People are going to ask you. And when you are asking someone to review something, you never, ever give them the curse of knowledge. You don't say, I know it's bad, even though I think I said that no. to Daniel when he helped me with some work. You just, you just give it to them. Because the moment you sort of put that thought in someone's head, they start looking at the article or any sort of piece of work a different way. The curse of knowledge is so bad. Yeah, I mean, I have, I like that. That was a good little rant to start. So we Donald should be here in a few minutes. So um, we'll save the NWHL for a little second here. Instead, what I do want to ask you guys about quickly to stall time here is I was looking at the NHL scoring leaders the other day, right? And all of a sudden... Who do you think number one in scoring is first off? Without looking at it, by the way, Daniel, you damn cheater. Connor McDavid. Here's the thing. I looked at it last night, so I'm not going to answer. Yeah, I think I saw something like there was a chart they made for Sportsnet. They were like scanning it. So I think it's it's Connor McDavid. It's like 38. All right. um, Donald, by the way, said he'll he'll be here in a few minutes. Uh, Sorry. Say that again, Dan. Isn't it Connor McDavid? He's like 38. Uh, 45 points. 45. Yeah, 30 assists, 15 goals. Do you know who second in scoring is? Leon Dreisaitl? No. No? No, and this is points total, not just goals. Well, McDavid is second in goals, by the way, 15 with Tyler Toffoli. Matthew's still a 20 to lead the league. It's going to be someone like we don't think of. It's Patrick definitely someone you don't think of, yeah. Kane is second in league scoring. He has 38 points, one more than Dreisaitl right now. We knew he was going to carry the team some way or the other. Yeah, I mean, this is a guy that he's so uh, – it's incredible to say this, that he's underrated somehow nowadays. Like, he, you could make the argument that he was the best player in the world when they were winning all those Stanley Cups in the early 2010s, but I just really have so much respect for Patrick Kane, the player. He's just – he is the new age Pavel Dotsik, that he will never be considered an all-time great, but – players and just how if you want i'm sure if you ask a lot of young players whose highlights do you watch more than any other it's going to be patrick kane mitch marner will probably be up there soon too um though like patrick kane is probably the grossest player just in terms of his hands are second to none nowadays he uh, he's just so good and fun to watch as patrick kane and again he's a huge part of the blackhawks right now yeah. I think it's um, – and I'm saying this like as someone that I think has really tracked his career that I, I remember when he was like an 18, 19-year-old or I even remember him in the World Juniors. And I think it's just 
he comes with that new wave kind of thing of American players that they become so good so young. And I think that we kind of got used to that in a way where you see the influx of all the guys who are considered the top guys now that they're a lot younger based on what you would look at like, you know, 10, 20 years ago. So I think it's just a lot more. I thought, I think there's that mentality now that you're like, you look at him like, Oh, he's 32. And we have the other young guys going on, but like, I think that's, that's the main reason that's going. That's that I believe that's going on that he's not getting the same recognition as like a Connor McDavid or Leon Dreisaitl or even an Austin Matthews. I think one, one thing with what's going on in Chicago is I think the last few years, it's been the, the talk around Chicago. hasn't necessarily been around the players on the team more. So the, management and some of the mistakes they have made. And and I think if you actually look at the players instead of just saying, well, you know, they would have been this, they would have been that if management had done this and had they, they had done that, but they still have competent players, right? Mm-hmm. I think that was the thing with Chicago when we've had so many discussions about this team and clearly he is still world-class elite player and i think like i completely agree that i think management and the way things have been the last few years has really overshadowed that because i look back on like elementary school or even like high school where every kid had a patrick kane jersey like everybody who wanted you know i didn't because i only leave about the goalies but um yeah like a lot of like my friends they all bought patrick kane jerseys it was like uh, i think at one point it was the highest selling jersey in the league and yeah. I mean, again, you also see uh, when I, when I've gone to any international games, if you see an American jersey, good chance it's Patrick Kane. You see a Team Canada jersey, yeah, you're gonna see Sid. Um, naturally, I wore Carey Price. You see a lot of Jonathan Taves. It was really cool that he actually had. They sent a little video in Jonathan Taves did because, and I've by the way, we've had this conversation without even mentioning the fact that Patrick Kane just played his thousandth game. Holy cow! Good to see Jonathan Taves, by the way. Doesn't uh, he? Didn't, he looked yeah. good. He looked. There was a video where I guess the in, like there were different lightings in both, and people saw like the Twitter video and thought he looked really, really sick because we don't know exactly what's wrong. But then the Instagram version had like it just felt like they were using like a filter for his Instagram, sorry, his uh, his Twitter video. So hopefully Taves is back soon, or just I, I wish I, I wish we knew what was wrong with him. Obviously, we just need to tell us Jack because that's his personal health. And, you know, luckily Chicago don't have a Steve Simmons digging around to sort of find out what's going on here. So, yeah. By the no way, comment. you know who leads the league in plus minus? Uh, I, I feel like it's Joel Edmondson. Joel goddamn Edmondson. <laughs> I figured. I figured. Plus 22. You know the last Canadian oh. to lead the league in plus minus? Who? Montreal Canadian, that is. Guy Carboneau. Someone oh. from the Daniels quiz. Whatever. Yuri Sakak. There we go. He was an answer. Who? Yuri Sakak. No, not Yuri Sakak. Ah, oh, the other Sakak. one. Yeah, that one. Him. Him. Oh, uh, the one that. Yeah. Max Pacioretty was like. Oh, a oh. Three, oh wow. you know? that's interesting. We dug um, too deep in that one. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna pause it because Donald is in the waiting room. Okay, good. Fellas. Yes, Adam. Yes, Adamo. 
But oh, God damn it. We're talking basketball now. Where's he gonna, we have a guest here today. Donald is back, yeah. Thank you, thank you. Pleasure have, to be back. I'd have major issues if it was just the three of us talking basketball. Like no offense to you, you two, but I don't like, I don't know if our knowledge is uh, there. Wouldn't go very far. <laughs> like I know Carter was good at dunking. Why is yeah. why is Skip Bayless tweeting things? Who is Myers Leonard? Am I saying his name properly? You are saying his name properly. I I I I don't think it's good to give him attention, but you know. Really? You know what's a shame because I, I was looking looking him up uh, yesterday. He's a really nice dog, like great dog. You're gonna it's, start with that. What he's just got a great dog. <laughs> I know that. it's just the context of everything. Like, this is what we're starting great with. Dog. Like look like great dog. It's such a nice dog. Person. Okay. Anyway, um, this is a dicey topic. Yeah. There well, we go. There we okay. go. There it is. <laughs> hey, fair enough. Before Donald, you were we kind of had you on because there was. I love when the four of us and like Will and Mike get into some sort of like just Twitter thread. I forget how it happened. I think Mike had about a quote tweeted a Leafs loss or something. And then Donald joked like coming on the show and talking about the 2013 Leafs collapse because you were at Maple Leaf Square. And we're going to talk about that later. And somehow it just went into, all right, let's get Donald on. Well, like I said, I'm glad to be back. Uh, glad to relive the pain of that playoff experience. Dive into my whole Leafs fandom that is not existent anymore, but like I'm, I'm happy to tell about it, talk about it. Before we get there, though, I have put together a pop quiz for you. Okay. I hope you have been researching why certain NBA teams are named what they're named. <laughs> I prepared three teams. Really? Really put my fandom, my NBA fandom on the spot, but uh, let's try. You know what we got to do? We got to have like a show and we just have like, we give the quiz to Will, we give it to Donald, we give it, I don't know how big a fan Mike is really, but just put the guys head to head. But okay, why are, I don't even, my basketball now, is it the, or what are the Pelicans? What city are the Pelicans from? New Orleans. New Orleans. Why are they called the Pelicans in New Orleans? Isn't there Pelicans in New Orleans, I'm guessing? Uh, I don't know. I can, I, I can tell you why the Lakers are called the Lakers. Not, I, no, the Lakers are not on the list today. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> They're not. I can tell you why the Raptors are called the Raptors. We established last yeah, podcast we, we, that we, oh, dinosaurs are from Toronto. Yeah. <laughs> why are Washington called the Wizards? Because they were originally called the Bullets, and they had to change their name because they were called the Bullets, so they went to the Wizards. I don't know why Wizards was the choice, but I know their name were the Bullets, and that that did not fly in Washington, no. D.C. in the 90s, <laughs> if you know anything about American history. I was going to say, because they don't play like Wizards on the court from what I, I know. They are not a magical team by any stretch, no matter what Michael Jordan could try and do. No, they're not a magical team, but... Uh, Bradley Beal is doing very wizard-like things with the ball. So, I mean. <laughs> He's like the Merlin him. of the team. Yes. Merlin. I do have an answer for the Pelicans, though, if you want. you want. Why are they why. called the Pelicans? Okay, so the name Pelicans is a reference to the brown pelican, the state bird of Louisiana. I was half right. Half right. The same thing as New Jersey Devils. It's because it's the Jersey Devil. Can you imagine if all of a sudden... There was just a Canadian team, like the ML, like no, the NFL expanded, and we just had like the Toronto Goose. 
Do you imagine? Uh, Toronto Goose. And I'm about to say the Toronto Blue Jays. No. No, like it's that's huge. already a team. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Birds, Check right? that one off. It's based off a, a brown pelican. Yes. Isn't their logo a white pelican though? I don't think so. Like maybe. All right, Donald. Why are San Antonio called the Spurs? Because of the Spurs on Cowboys boots. That's a good one. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. You know, it's a that's, great name. Because that's what their because that's what their logo is. Is it not? Is it? A, well, I mean, it's not really. It's kind of. I don't know. Like it's at the bottom, but it's kind of like a U thing. I don't know. I've never been to Texas before, but I know Spurs are the things on Cowboys boots, so that makes sense. Would you ever go to Texas? Yes, absolutely. That's good. Same here. I always wanted to go there. For some Why not? I used to have a fear of it. Why? Because like- when I was really little, I watched the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and ever since then, I don't think I could ever go to Texas. <laughs> you're gonna be like you know that spongebob thing when like spongebob and patrick made fun of everyone in texas being dumb and then he got all mad and like tried to beat them up and then somehow it's true yeah like they said it's true Man, i mean i hope you guys don't have any listeners in texas i'm sorry people from texas so. i don't think so listen we ripped the states last episode all right we're not happy about it nhl players <laughs> in the states are apparently getting vaccines and we're here just clamoring for any sort of con like donald we're we're not getting this vaccine this year here <laughs> i don't believe it i don't i don't i don't believe that we will be back for the fall oh, i mean no. fingers crossed i i hope i i would love to hope but i mean probably not all right um alex want to go ahead with the 2013 dog here yeah i i need to know this story because it is uh it was emotional it was an emotional 60 minute plus game so you said you were there i need to know what happened okay so before i even get into that i feel like i should give context about like how i became a leafs fan and all that stuff so i only became a leafs fan because of hockey night in canada because all my parents watch was cbc so in the morning before i would go to school cbc was on when I would get back, CBC was on. I don't know if you guys watch like any TV or know the show Coronation Street, which is oh, like yes. one of the. Yes, <laughs> my man. My my parents, uh, my mom's a huge fan of Coronation Street, so that was always on at six thirty, seven thirty, because I always change the times around when um, hockey started. So, and like we only watched CBC because my parents did not want to pay for cable, so we had like thirty or 40 uh, stations and this was and the sports stations would skip over so it was only like the main stations like ctv city tv cbc cp24 weather channel some of the american stations so we didn't even get like sports night or tsn so the only sport that i would watch would be hockey night in canada on saturday nights um so my dad was a football fan and then turned into a hockey fan when he moved to Canada. My dad is American. I am half American. Uh, so I inherited all the bad New Jersey, New York teams from him. So I'm a Jets fan. It's very sad. Uh, he, he, wasn't, he wasn't a very big basketball fan, but the New Jersey Nets did play in New Jersey. So like, if he was a fan, he would be that. He was a big Devils fan, but before he was a Devils fan, because the Devils moved in 82, I did do a little research before I came on the podcast. My dad, Adam, you will love this, was a Montreal Canadiens fan. I love it. So 
So when it seemed so because when I was watching Hockey Night in Canada, it seemed like Montreal and Toronto were playing like every two weeks, every three weeks. He would he would he would take the opportunity to rub it in my face that I was a Leafs fan. And the Leafs at this point sucked. Like the the oh, they they made they made the playoffs in 04, obviously, yeah. or 04, and then there was a lockout, and then there's that whole stretch where they did not make the playoffs. That's when I started to watch because obviously they're still showing the leaves on hockey night in Canada. I'm so sorry. And he would just take the opportunity to just like, ah, you're a Leafs fan. Like, ah, it's okay. It's okay, they suck, but it's okay. It's okay that you're a Leafs fan. And also, like he had seen the New Jersey Devils win three Stanley Cubs. They made it, they made, even though they lost to LA in 2012, like obviously things are still going very well for him where he could make fun of me for being a poor Leafs fan at like 11 years old. So fast forward to 2013 when the playoff, when um, the collapse happened. Uh, Context, I'm in grade seven and I'm starting to watch and play basketball like way more at this point. This is the first year where I'm really getting into it, but the Raptors suck this year. So I'm going to put it into context of the Raptors. So this is the first year with Kyle Lowry on the team. They tried to get Steve Nash. Nash is gone, but he went to LA. So they had to trade for Kyle. First year with Jonas. Uh, they had to trade Jose Calderon away to get Rudy Gay to get some semblance of balance on the team. And then, like, later that year, they trade Rudy for, like, all these depth pieces, and it turns into, like, the big trade that turns around the Raptors, and they become, like, this better team. But the Leafs are the – but in, like, the hierarchy of Toronto teams, the Leafs are the good team because they're going to make the playoffs for the first time in, like, 10 years. Mm -hmm. So I will also say – so my two favorite Leafs on that team was JVR and Kadri. JVR because he wore number 21 and number 21 was my number. I'm born on July 21st. And Kadri because my dad claimed that he was from Toronto, but doing research for this, he's from London. So I feel a little bit conflicted because I feel like as Leafs fans, Leafs fans tend to gravitate to the dude who's from Toronto, like whoever it is. Um, I know Marner has a special place. I know. um, Not so much. Not not so much, but Tavares. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, any anyone who's from Toronto Leafs fans tend to gravitate towards that guy, hometown guy, all that stuff. Okay. Anyway, going to come in free agency in the years coming. It's a whole thing. Yeah. yeah, all the Toronto guys are going to come home and save the Leafs. It's a it's a whole thing. Does it ever happen? No, once. It, it only happened once. Um. Okay. So the Leafs make the playoffs. Yeah. Play in the Bruins, obviously. My dad caves at the last second to bring us to the square for game seven now i wasn't entirely in the square itself but i was outside of the square so like with the raptors out they have the big screen that you can see from outside the square so i was probably about a block or two north of the square itself because my dad's biggest fear because there's a 50 50 chance if they win or lose is that toronto is going to turn into vancouver in 2011 and riot the city that is his biggest fear that it's going to turn into vancouver in 2011 when they lose the Stanley Cup, That's so fair. we so I we guess. stand so we stand back, and my dad's my dad's biggest thing as a dad who like he never coached hockey, but I played ball hockey a little bit after school was like never look past your opponent and always keep in head keep ahead of like who you're playing, and we're up we're up for the Leafs I shouldn't say we're the Leafs are up four one. 
And I find this copy of the Metro, which is like this daily paper in Toronto. I don't think it's in circulation anymore, but there was always on like, if you ever took the subway, there'd be like 10 copies of the Metro just like laying on seats. And I found a copy of the Metro just like in some building somewhere while I, while I was intermission. And I'm looking, there's a, there's an insert and it has the bracket of like, who's next. And it's the Rangers beat the Capitals in game seven. They blow them out like five, nothing. It's like, we can beat the Rangers. And then, the Penguins will probably beat the Senators because Senators suck. Like, even though they upset them, like, this is Sidney Crosby we're talking about. Leafs, Penguins, Conference Finals, like, sign me up. Like, we can do this. And my dad's like, there's still a quarter left to be played. Or, sorry, um, a period left to be played. And by God, this man was right. This man had the, this man had the, the foresight to, like, you know, believe that, like, you know what? Like, this is the Toronto Maple Leafs we're talking about. Yes. So when it gets to 4-3 with a minute and a half left, I believe that they are going to lose this game. And <laughs> sure and sure, and sure enough, they tie it. I, as a sports fan, I'm very pessimistic. Yeah. It's, it's the Toronto tradition. Like Toronto sports fans just like pes- pessimism everywhere. So it's 4-4. And my dad makes a conscious decision. It's like, okay. We should probably get out of here because they're going to lose this game. <laughs> so, but we didn't. But we didn't really get out. We ended up sitting. I don't know why he made this decision. We ended up sitting in the GO station downtown Union Station, listening to like the crowd's reaction and dictating on the crowd's reaction. Would would we stay or would we go? And we hear this collective like boo, this sigh, and we hear Leafs fans like running into the station just like cursing to high heaven. So my dad's like, yeah, they lost, they lost. And then we went home and that was, and that was my experience as a Leafs fan. You're the first Leafs fan swear. You're probably looking to the board saying, all right, one's <laughs> <laughs> the next train board near. We got to get out of here. We got to get, we got, we got to, we got to leave. And we lived in Scarborough at the time, which is the crazy part. So we had to take the subway back and that would have been about like 45 minutes to an hour. And that was, I don't know if that was the smartest decision at the time, but it was just to see like, like these Leafs fans, like standing around just like, yeah, yeah. Like we're going to make it like, it's going to be good. And just like slowly over the third period turn into despair. I will never forget it. <laughs> I, I think most people haven't forgotten it. I, I, Adam and I were watching the game with Mike last night on FaceTime and you can still tell that it haunts Mike and I because one bad game or two bad games, it's we're blowing this entire thing up. We need to rebuild again. This team is garbage. Trade Matthews, trade Marner, trade Nylander. It's funny. And then you realize we have a lot of issues that we need to work out. That's what it is. The Leafs have like four all-stars. And it's like, it feels like the fan base can never enjoy a thing. Like the Habs haven't had a superstar who isn't a goalie forever. And like the Leafs are just oozing with talent. Isn't like, as a Canadian fan, you just think, what's going on here? Who hurt you? And then you remember, ah, the Boston Bruins for three straight playoffs. Lots of people. So wait, was your dad, was he, who does he cheer for in that scenario? Because obviously those are the two teams that he would have hated the most. Uh, I guess Toronto living in the city because he moved to Toronto in the 80s. So he lived here and got to watch like 
Toronto consistently fail and fail again. But New York's hit for Boston in general, just like growing up there. My dad's from New Jersey, so I can't really say New York. But the hate for Boston, like as in the New York area, is just unmatched. It's just, it's a different level. Like Toronto, like Toronto hates Boston for sure. But New York, it's a completely different scenario. It's good to know that in, in, in the States as well, just everyone just hates Boston. Everyone and, hates Boston. The only people who like Boston are from people from Boston. This is true. This is true. So just what from there, it's just been like, you know what? Now nah, I'm done with it. I'm done with the Leafs. We're, we're moving on now. So, so, I'm glad, so I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, so the first Raptors game that I ever went to was probably six months after that. Nah, probably not six. Let me, let me count. Five, five, five to six months after. It was a preseason game. This was the first year that the Raptors were like good for a long time since Chris Bosch left. Uh, it was a preseason game. It was against the Minnesota Timberwolves. We were still living in Scarborough at the time, but we like moved like a couple weeks later back to like Toronto, Toronto. Um, so we ended up going to this Leafs game. So what happened was I won a contest at school. Uh, that my teacher put on and the prize is two preseason tickets to a Raptors game. There are nosebleeds, like they weren't really that good. And it was a preseason game. So it's like trying to figure out like who's going to be the last like three guys that you're going to assign on the team. What year and was this? This was 2013. Oh, so they, the tickets weren't as expensive as they are now. They used no. to be like $5. I remember. Yeah. And then like the one year that they good, they just like, they're like, we're going to cash in now and raise prices. So but they were free. Like I won them in the contest and those tickets were probably pretty cheap because obviously the Raptors were not as good back then. Uh, they ended up, they actually lost the preseason game if I remember correctly. And I actually, there's a running joke between a couple of buddies of mine that go to Raptors games that every time that we go, we win when we show up or the Raptors win when we show up. And that was the first, so the joke is like the first time that I ever went to a Raptors game, they lost, even though it's a preseason, they just ended up losing. And this was with Minnesota, and I'm pretty sure Minnesota was, like, the worst team in the league that year, and they ended up with um, – I'm trying to figure out, trying to remember. I think that was the year – I think that was the year Wiggins gets drafted, 2014. So they sucked that year, and Canadian basketball legend, Vaughn legend, Andrew Wiggins ends up with the Timberwolves. Whole other point, but they ended up sucking. But I remember, like, the fun that just, like, a pure basketball game is when you have, like, literally no idea what's going on and who's playing and who the good guys are. That's when I remember, like, being, like, really, really sucked into it. And I was like, okay, like, I want to know more about basketball. And then the Raptors make the playoffs and they go on this whole run and here we are. Lads, um, Donald, serious question here. So – in the NHL, um, the All-Star game doesn't really mean anything right now. Um, there is a thing of every team has to have a player. Um, it just feels like nowadays players, just they hate going to it. They'd rather have the vacation time, right? So it's jarring to me when I go and see NBA Twitter and I see Skip Bayless losing it. I see like MVP awards and that, and like, sorry, not MVP. Yeah. You know, Australian MVP stuff, the attention to it. And it feels like such a, another world. So why is it, why is Skip Bayless making the noise about an all-star game MVP stuff? And why are we questioning a play like LeBron's legacy 
in an all-star game. Why? So I never, so personally, like as a basketball fan, I never got, so like the MP, MVP of the season, like I understand like criticism if like a player does not get that award, but all-star game MVP and finals MVP, I've never really understood like why that is such a big deal when even though basketball is a, it's a top end sport, like you only really win if you have the best players. I never understood the MVP like argument and how that like takes down a player's legacy. I would actually say that if you read any of the quotes from like James Harden or LeBron James, they did not want to be there. No NBA player wanted to do an all-star game in Atlanta who is handling the COVID crisis terribly. Like they still have clubs open and stuff like that in Atlanta. I don't think anyone really, really, really wanted to be in Atlanta playing this fake all-star game put in like one night. Like, I don't think the guys really or like basketball players really wanted to be there, but they obviously like went through the motions and still like tried to have a good time with it. Like, I'm pretty sure LeBron didn't play the second half of the all-star game. Like this whole thing was a farce. And I think the more and more it goes on, I think the guys who consistently make all-star teams are like, okay, it's another all-star team. Like, it's another weekend that I got to spend in, like, Indianapolis or Atlanta or this city that no one wants to go to while the first-time all-stars are still like, I still want to be an all-star. Like, I still want to go. Like, I don't know. I don't understand the whole argument about, like, all-star MVPs equating to someone's legacy because – it just seems like the players who are like first time all-stars or like they've only been an all-star like a couple of times, they tend to go like a little bit harder to mm-hmm. for that award than like a LeBron James or like a dude because LeBron has three or four, I want to say. So it doesn't like even really matter at the end of the day. And like Giannis was the right person to win the all-star MVP. I don't think this man missed a shot from the field, even though it was like all dunks and he hit a couple of step back threes. I don't think he missed a shot. So like, Sure, give it to Giannis. He had like 35 points. Now, naturally, if he was a Raptor, or it looked like he was going to be a Raptor, and Giannis, again, in that scenario, still wins it, it's a national headline, and we all love the All-Star game. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. I have one question, Donald, about this. What were your first impressions when Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid were put on the COVID uh, tracing protocol? I thought the game was going to get canceled. I thought the game was going to get canceled. Like, why would you do this? Like, Two, I guess I was kind of lucky that it worked out that one dude from one team and another dude from the other team both had it so that rosters are still equal. But I seriously thought this was going to get canceled until it came out that this happened in Philadelphia, not Atlanta. And what I didn't know at the time is all these dudes get, get, all these dudes get fresh cuts before the game goes on, before the game. Because everyone on, because Joel Embiid made a joke and it was like, like, why did I go get my cut in Philadelphia when I could have gotten my cut in Atlanta? I guess they like, I mean, when you have a barber that you trust, like speaking from experience, like when you have a barber that you trust, you cannot betray that barber with another barber. So shout out to my friend Alex for cutting my hair. But my whole point is I thought the game was going to get canceled. Like if two dudes are getting sick, before they are, are in contact tracing, they we don't know if they have it. Before they even step like foot like into Atlanta, because a lot of dudes flew in that night, or Saturday night, Sunday morning. Like, why would you still have the game going on? Like, this is a terrible decision. So I thought I thought the I thought the game was going to get canceled. I'm glad yeah. that I'm glad that it went on. It gave me something to watch that night. 
but I thought it was going to get canceled. Just, Does this? Oh, sorry. Go on. No, just quick question. In the NHL, if you decide you want to skip the all-star game for non-injury reasons or non-family emergency stuff, you get suspended one game and you have to take it either before the all-star game or after the all-star game. Is there a rule like that in the NBA? I don't think there is because that doesn't really happen. I would say that like sometimes it's like ticky tack injuries that like, yes, you could probably play on it, but other dudes want to take that whole week to rest and they're like, I'm not going to play. But if someone were to say like, nah, I don't want to go to all-star. Like I don't want to go like, that just doesn't happen. I don't know what the penalty would be. Probably be a big fine. Probably be like a six-figure fine and definitely some sort of suspension because like it's the NBA's premier event. Like other than the yeah. playoffs and the finals, like because I didn't know this until now. Actually, like sponsorship in the NBA only happens on marquee games. You're not getting sponsorship like in a February matchup, Milwaukee and Orlando. You're not getting right. sponsorship for that. You're getting sponsorship for the marquee events, the marquee days, the playoffs, and the finals. Right. So not having your stars there is like tremendous. Um, you're losing You're losing money, basically. So I, I couldn't – I don't know if there's a rule about that because they basically force them to go. You're basically forced to go. But no one, but no one tries in the All-Star game. And like most dudes only play like 10 minutes. So, right. 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 Yeah. Sorry, Daniel, go ahead. Oh, uh, just like my one last thing about this is with the decision of the all-star game and with everything that kind of happened the day of with, with Embiid and Simmons, has this kind of changed your opinion of Adam Silver or kind of reinforced what you kind of thought about him already? So I'm not really sure. Cause I think Adam Silver, hmm, let me try to find like the right way to phrase this. Great name. Uh, yes, great name. Maybe not the greatest commissioner in the world. That's that. That's what I have to say. Great name. Maybe not the greatest commissioner. Could it be world. Gary Bettman? I'm just joking. It's Gary. Just joking. Gary's solid. Don't want. I don't want to get Will upset. I don't want to get. <laughs> oh, I don't want. Yeah. I don't. I don't want to get Will upset if he's listening. He's riding into the show right now. <laughs> well, I know. I know. Will is not the biggest fan of Adam Silver. So a lot of what I. Uh, we have like within like my group that watches basketball and I talk about basketball, like what happens that is not related to game stuff. Like I don't really care about, I care about like what happens on the court and how a guy looks everything else. I, it's not really interesting to me. Like, yeah, it's important to know, but I'm not like as interested in it as in like, what is this team running and like, how have they changed since the last time they ran? Um, so what I would say is, I think Adam Silver started off as a very good commissioner and he made the necessary decision like with the Donald Sterling affair, like kicking him out, banning him for life and making him sell the Clippers and paying that big fine. I think it was like $5 million. Like he had started off very well, but down, but like consistently it's like, sometimes it seems like he can be like a pushover in the way that like David Stern wasn't because David Stern would not, uh, Stern would not put up with that shit. speech and language do not put up with anything like bad that would ruin the nba's image and with this whole like um 
the shut up and dribble stuff, the China stuff, the Daryl Morey tweets. Like it just seems like he makes the bad, he makes the he makes the wrong decision every time. But people like Adam Silver, so I'm not sure. Like he could probably do some things better. He could probably do some things worse. He's not the worst like commissioner in the world, but he's definitely not the best commissioner. So, mm, so um, I'd like to give you a choice, Donald, okay. on the next things we're going to speak about. Do you want to talk about speculation and fun stuff? Or, uh, by the way, judging on the first thing we got from Donald, we ignore the man with the nice dog. Okay, we'll just talk about the fun stuff then. <laughs> um, just cut out that man, no problem. So, Chris Bosch, Hall of Fame nominee, your no. thoughts? Hall of Fame nominee, I think he's a Hall of Famer. Chris Bosch should be a Hall of Famer. That shouldn't mm-hmm. really be, I think Chris Bosch gets, um. This is going to be this is going to be very weird, but I think Chris Bosh gets doesn't get enough credit for the Miami titles, and he gets mm. too much credit for his stay in Toronto, with the couple of playoff appearances that happened. Those playoff appearances didn't really amount to anything, and people like people who don't really watch the Raptors are like Chris Bosh should have his number retired. Chris Bosh was the only guy that kept this franchise relevant after Vince Carter left, and all of that is true. And Chris Bosch definitely has like some place in Raptors lore, but like a number retirement, that doesn't really sit right with me. It just doesn't like Chris Bosch could have been a better player for the Raptors and the Raptors could have surrounded Chris Bosch a better talent. You can make the argument that he was never really given the chance to succeed with crappy management. Like you have this six, whatever forward who's in the post, you have the number one pick why do you draft Andrea Bagnani or why do you draft LaMarcus Aldridge or draft LaMarcus Aldridge and like pair like two big men together? Like, why don't you trade the pick for something better that actually makes sense to pair with your like perennial all-star guy. So in that sense, I feel like he gets too much credit for the Toronto stuff. But if you like really look at the history of like Toronto's Raptors basketball between the Vince Carter era and the Larry DeRozan era, and it's just like that lull, like, there isn't really a lot going on. I think he made the playoffs twice or three times here with the Raptors. Like, it doesn't make a lot of sense. But Chris Bosh deserves a lot of credit for, like, taking a step back, becoming that third wheel in Miami, like, just doing, like, the necessary things, like rebounding the ball, playing pretty good defense, like, learning how to space, learning how to shoot. Like, that wasn't really his game in Toronto. He was, like, a post-up kind of guy with by the basket kind of guy, pick and roll kind of guy, learning how to shoot and space the floor for Wade and Bosch. Like he doesn't get enough credit for that stuff, like adapting his game to make sure that Wade and Bosch could kind of, sorry, Wade and LeBron could like get to where they need to go. So this team, so that team could reach the potential that they were looking for. I think he doesn't get enough credit for that stuff. But yes, definitely Hall of Famer. Definitely Hall of Famer. Like 12-time All-Star. And a lot of that's because he's in the East. Like if he was in the West, maybe he's like a six-time All-Star. And he's has, he has the rings and all that kind of stuff. But given like what the requirements are for an, uh, to make the Hall of Fame, like it's without a question, he's a, he's a Hall of Famer. For sure. And when you mention um, people, I guess like when he was in Toronto, I am one of those people that I was so sad 
in 2010 when he left. I remember where I thought there there is just darkness in this tunnel <laughs> kind of thing where uh, I know that they eventually they did bounce back, but I, I know what you mean when it comes to like that era of things where you had Vince Carter and then you have really like Bosch and then you, you kind of just get, you like held on to him for way too long, but I completely agree. But I'm, I'm really happy too that he's going to, He's he's in the Hall of Fame conversation. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. I don't like I said like I don't think it's any question. Like, I don't think the roster did or what do you call it? I don't think management did like the best job of surrounding Bosch with like the right talent. But Bosch, maybe also like there was a cap to him as a player to like how far you're gonna go. Like I'm just looking at it now. Oh six oh seven, they make the playoffs and they lose to that six game series to the Nets. And I'm pretty sure they were the higher seed. And then they lose to the Magic in 08. And that was it. Like, they made the playoffs, like, two years in a row with Bosch. Yeah, the Hito Turkoglu era. Hito Turkoglu era. Primo Pasta. Shout out, Primo. I'm going to think about it like this. If Chris Bosch wasn't the guy, he wasn't a bad guy to have behind the guy. No, absolutely. I mean, we saw what it was like in Miami with Wade and LeBron. Like Chris Bosch as the third. Chris Bosch was probably an overqualified third guy, but probably not the best second guy that you would want on your team. But I mean, it made, I mean, like I said, Bosch definitely deserves a lot more credit for those Miami teams, just like molding his game to fit with Wade and LeBron. Like he became a way better defender. He could space the floor. Like rebounding was a big thing for him. It's just, like, doing the little things that, like, for you to be able to get the ball was, like, that's how Chris Bosh became – I mean, that's how he helped Miami win. Obviously, you have, like, LeBron and Wade, and they're doing their thing, but you also need Bosh in that equation. I'm going to try – By very limited basketball knowledge, he sounds like Dennis Rodman. Maybe not as crazy as Dennis Rodman. I would – okay, so I would say, like, in the overall, like, power rankings of like guys i don't think bosh comes close to rodman but if you're comparing him to like what like like the rodman role he's definitely in the rodman role where you're grabbing rebounds playing defense but he got more touches on offense like he would like this was a skilled offensive player Uh, rodman rodman is like a, a zero he's a zero on offense a lot of that stuff is coming back from like putbacks and stuff like that bosh had an offensive game Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to make a hockey comparison here. I don't know if it's gonna work. Uh, it sounds like Chris Bosch was the Phil Kessel. Yeah. To, to Gino and to Malkin and Crosby. Am I close? Uh, Daniel, I think you're gonna have to answer this. Yeah, you're gonna have to answer that one. It's pretty accurate. Yeah, like you know, you had two guys that were in Toronto that they weren't technically vocal people all the time where, you know, you didn't really surround them with much. And then suddenly they go to like a stacked team with two hall of famers. So, yeah. and you know, Crosby's arguably one of the best. So same as LeBron. So I, I, I could see that. Um, yeah. Okay. So I'm glad I f- figured something out here. That was a good one. Yes. Good. Um, okay. Last few days, it, I, I've seen it all over social media. Is Kyle Lowry getting traded or what? What's going on here? I don't buy it. I don't buy Kyle Lowry's getting traded. 
what I, we touched on this last podcast, yeah. but it's the con it's the contract. He's making thirty million dollars per year. It's very hard to match up that salary while still equating with like an equal amount of talent that the Raptors could get back. So like the so the guys that the teams that really need point guards don't have like the proper like trade packages that they could put together to get Kyle Lowry to Toronto. So like, so it's like the Clippers, the Clippers is the big one that gets brought up because, you know, Kawhi and Serge Ibaka and Kyle all won here in Toronto, which is funny that you can't give the Raptors credit for being like a great team as a Toronto team. But if you put those guys on the Clippers, like, the redheaded stepchild of the LA teams, they get all the credit in the world. I don't know. That's just very funny to me. But what I mean is like, you can't, you have to get like the trade package would be like Zubac and Beverly and Lou Williams. The thing is like, if you want Kyle Lowry, you want future assets as well. Like the team is good, but you also want to kind of stack the cabinet a little more. The Clippers have no picks to get. They have no picks to give because they traded them all for Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. I mean, it's kind of working out for them. Like, they're good, but, like, you want to pick. What I'm saying is you want to pick for Kyle Lowry. You want something that is going to help your team um, in the future. But the thing is, like, if you're going to trade Kyle Lowry to a contender, the picks that you're going to get back are not going to be the best picks in the world. Like, you're not trained Kyle Lowry to the number one pick in the draft. You're not doing that. But you want a lottery pick or you want to pick in like the mid-teens. Like that makes sense for a Kyle Lowry trade. You're not getting that. Like Kyle Lowry is going to raise your floor and he's going to raise your ceiling. If he does that for the other team, the value of that pick is going to go down. It's going to be in the mid to late 20s. And you're not going to trade Kyle Lowry to some mediocre team. Like, yes, it will raise their floor, but Kyle Lowry wants to compete for championships. Like, you're not really trading him to, like, I don't know, like, I'm just using this as an example, like Orlando. Orlando for them to become, like, I have no, there's no knowledge that they're interested in Kyle Lowry, but I'm just using that as an example because, like, they're the standard of, like, mediocre teams in the NBA. Not trading Kyle to Orlando so they can go from, like, the whatever seed to the sixth seed. And then he can play two years in Orlando and then he signs somewhere else. That's not what you're doing that for. You want to trade Kyle to put him in the best position to win, but you're not going to get the best package back because those teams probably don't have the assets to make it like somewhat equal. So like teams like Denver, Miami, Philadelphia, the Clippers, you're not going to get that premium package back. But the thing is, so there's this, there's this like dichotomy, like if you want to trade Kyle Lowry, you want to reward him. You want to give him the choice of where he wants to go because he's been this dude that has been loyal to the team. He's served this time. They won a championship. He's done nothing but been loyal. You want to kind of give him the option to like go where he wants to go because you want to give like the best. It's doing business in good faith. And the Raptors have that little bit of the reputation when they traded DeMar, but they weren't doing, you know, business in the best faith possible. You're kind of changing that perception a little bit, showing that like, hey, we take care of our guys. Like we'll send Kyle Lowry where he wants to go. And like, I have no reporting, like nothing based on this, but Philadelphia, like he's from Philly. Like Philly makes a lot of sense. Like if he wants to go somewhere, it's probably Philadelphia or the Clippers. Because obviously he won a title with Kawhi. 
Serge and him were very close for a long time. If you ever saw like Raptors like running out the tunnel, it was always um, it was always Kyle and Serge at the end, and they did their handshake. So like obviously he's very close with those two guys. Um, the Sixers make a lot of sense. I know him and Joel Embiid are close. Like I said, he's from Philadelphia. They have a little bit of a more enticing package because they have some nice young players like Tyrese Maxey could be interesting. Uh, I don't know if you would get Matisse Thybulle back in a package for Kyle Lowry because he's a premier, like, becoming an all-NBA caliber defender, all-defensive team defender. Like, he is a very good player. I don't think you're probably going to get him back in a package for Kyle Lowry, but you could get, like, Tyrese Maxey, who's a nice young guard. You could get Danny Green back. I mean, that means nothing, but you kind of have to get him back to make the salary work, like a pick. Like, these are not premium trades we're talking about because of the money and because of the teams that he's linked to. Right. Also, you don't have to worry about making up rumors on this show. We do that all the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> make it sound like that random Twitter. <clears throat> Insiders, NHL underscore. Yeah, but uh, but I think ours are realistic. We don't know if they're true, but they're realistic. To be Mm -hmm. fair, I do pitch Ben Chirot for Austin Matthews every other show. That that is indeed true. Equivalent Donald will say, is Mac Biombo for Giannis on it? (laughs) (laughs) Not going to happen. Absolutely crazy. Um, Yeah. Last thing, last thing for me, I'm – a couple or yesterday, actually, the NHL uh, or it was leaked that the NHL is going to sign a deal with ESPN for their uh, US TV right deal for ne- starting next year. How big of a deal is that for the NHL? Like what can the what can ESPN do that they do for the NBA right now that can transfer over to the NHL? That is an absolutely huge move. Like that is. That's, that's a very, that's a very, that's a forward thinking, like in the future, like let's move it up a level move, because this is also my personal opinion. And this is like, um, I'm not like, okay. Cause me and my little brother have this conversation like all the time. Personally, like I said, this is my personal opinion. Hockey, it seems like it's a bit closer, like out of the four leagues that are available, like football, basketball, baseball, hockey, hockey, I believe in my opinion is the clear fourth because they just don't have the, they just don't have the TV money outside of Canada. Like you're not getting that in the States. And my little brother tries to give me, he's like, Oh, hockey is growing in Europe. Like hockey has a weird, like uh, weird fascination in England. And I'm like, yeah, sure. But basketball is a global game. Like 25% of NBA players are from, not the United States. Basketball is huge in China. I don't care where else you're talking about. China is the biggest country in the world. I have no, I don't care. I think, but I think the biggest sport in China is soccer, if I heard correctly. But basketball is still huge in China. Like, my whole thing is that, like, getting ESPN behind hockey is a very good thing. Oh, so the point that I was going to make was, like, to me, that hockey is, like, like, attendance in hockey, I think, is good but the numbers for TV aren't as good. So like, it's more like, like it's a clear fourth behind, like baseball has an attendance problem. Like there's too many games, not people, not a lot of people go, but baseball's on all the time and they have a, a relatively okay TV deal. If they're paying dudes like $400 million a year, they have a pretty good TV deal. But my whole thing is like, 
if this is a good TV deal and if it's if it's with ESPN, it probably is. That's probably going to increase the cap in hockey. I don't know how much it's going to do, but guys are probably going to get paid hopefully a bit more. Like, because obviously hockey is like fourth. Also, when it comes to paying those guys behind football, basketball, and baseball, like you get some like crazy contracts in basketball and uh, baseball. Like Otto Porter is getting paid thirty million dollars a year. Andre Drummond's getting paid thirty million dollars a year, and both those guys may get bought out. Blake Griffin was getting paid over thirty million dollars a year, and he got bought out. So you're probably going to see. Hopefully, you see guys in hockey getting paid a little bit more. I don't remember like what the highest paid salary is in hockey. Isn't around like thirteen million. I was going to ask you what you think it is. You think it's thirteen? It's under fifteen. I want to say that. It's under 15. I believe McDavid makes 12.5. Yeah, McDavid makes 12.5. That's actual cap hit. I think actual salary is, I want to say it's either JT, John Tavares, or Matthews at 15 million. But yeah, like McDavid's it's, total thing, by the way, Don, it's like an eight year deal, 12.5 per. See, that's the thing. That's the, that's the other thing that I don't really like. I don't love about hockey is like these like very long contracts, like these eight year deals. Cause the NBA, cause the NBA used to have them. The NBA used to have like seven year contracts and then dudes would get bought out in their fourth year and would take like enormous cap hits. Like the Josh Smith contract in Detroit, they finally, I think this is the last year where they're paying Josh Smith, but they had to buy him out with like two years left but that was four years of additional money on the books where you couldn't spend. I mean, Detroit isn't a free agency player anyway, but you couldn't spend that money because you're paying it to Josh Smith who isn't playing for you anymore. So that's the thing that I don't always like understand about hockey and other sports. Like why do you commit to these big long-term deals by the time they either get restructured or you have to buy the guy out? Would you believe me if I told you they were 15 year deals in the NHL? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, do you know the story of Zach Brise and Ryan Suter by any chance? That way they signed with the Wild, right? Yeah. That's all I know, but yes. It's massive contracts. They've only just hit the halfway point. Both still have five years left. They're going to be in their 40s. Cap hit are at about 7.5 each. And it's just, you can't do anything with them. And they've been anchors. And do you know what's funny about Minnesota with those long term deals? They've been mediocre. Forever, like in like three or four years, there are going to be some really screwed teams in the NHL because of that. Like, and I believe there were there were some conversations with the CBA that got extended last season about maybe contract links being brought so the league could protect the owners from themselves, and it didn't go anywhere. So it's it is a problem. It is like the Canadian the Montreal Canadiens have a goalie they have signed for another six years after this. He's already thirty three, not looking great. What was Ilya Kovalchuk's contract, Daniel? It was 15 um, years? It was 15, but Lou Lamorello tried 17 years with the Devils. <laughs> but then that's when they got uh, penalized for circumventing the cap. There you go, yeah. But yeah, so the NBA did have like seven-year contracts, eight years contracts, and then they got shut down. I don't remember the reason why they changed, but like teams, it's the same reason. You want to stop owners from themselves to locking themselves into these big deals. And now I think the max you can do is five years. Man, <laughs> that would solve so many problems. Oh, seriously, you don't. You I brought wish. you brought up like I think it's interesting. You brought up that um, the contract thing. I just think the players like 
I think the players in the NHL like staying with one team. I think that's what that's what the thing is here. Like even when they hit UFA, and I think John Tavares and Artemi Panarin changed the changed the game in a way because when was the last time we saw prime star free agents leave their original teams before those two? I believe last time you were on the show, Donald, you said that Giannis had chose loyalty in the NBA. And you had a bit of a laugh about it because, you know, I think we all did because loyalty in the NBA are not two words. Like they're not something I put together. And I think to add on to Alex's point there, there's just this like loyalty is so big in the NHL. And I think both with players and management and it's, it screws them over so much. Like when you're talking about five-year deals, I'm like, do you know how often we actually get deals that are five-year? It's either like two-year bridges or then it's like seven or eight years. And they look terrible. Absolutely terrible. Um, and, the, and, and, and no, and the other thing is you, you mentioned players getting paid more and, and you're hoping that NHL players get, are going to get paid more. That, I, I mean, I'd argue it started to happen with the young guys and then the pandemic absolutely murdered any chance of that happening to anyone anytime soon. Like there are half the league is within a million, $1.5 million of the cap. That's insane. That never happens. Mm-hmm. Well, um, is that everything guys that we need to, that we were, uh, like- one more thing I'd like to ask Donald. Yes. yes. Thank you again, Donald. You've been so kind with your time. No worries. I'm I'm always available. Always here. Mm-hmm. So, the Raptors 905. Yes. The season is done. They got eliminated by the what is it? The Delaware Bluecoats. Delaware Bluecoats. Funny enough, the Philadelphia 76ers. Oh, that's, that's their that's their affiliate. So, this was probably one of the you know most dominant teams in the regular season. They were averaging 118 points per game. I know that, you know, they were kind of trying to go for the championship again, but how do you feel about the future for the 905 and helping with the Toronto Raptors moving forward? Um, so I think I mentioned this, but like the Raptors 905 is very integral to the Raptors success overall. A lot of guys came to the 905, Fred, Norm, Pascal, even guys that didn't really work out with like Bruno, um, like having them in the 905 and having the chance to develop them. Raptors are one of the few teams that really use the G League to their advantage. Like a lot of their coaches also end up in the G League. I think I mentioned that like the Stackhouse comparison where Stackhouse was there and he turned that into a job at Vanderbilt. Um, the G League is important. The, the 905 is important to the Raptors' success. Uh, we saw Jalen Harris had like stretches, stretch runs during this. Like he looked pretty good in that last game, like, he was finishing with contact, finishing with authority. Like, he's 6'5", like, almost 200. Like, he looked pretty good. He looked pretty, like, he looked pretty good. And I think there's a path for him to get minutes. I'm not sure. He's kind of on a two-way deal. Um, the, 90, the 905 is interesting. I think they signed they signed Henry Ellison, Ellenson on a 10-day contract today. I was surprised that they didn't sign um, – Alize Johnson to that 10 year, that 10 day contract because he looked really good. Like, I think he was probably the Raptors 905 best player, like rebounding, playing hard defense. Like he has this like North South game where like he can kind of take the ball 
off the rebound and kind of make a play. Like, he looked really good. Um, he kind of fits the Raptors' bill of, like, a dude that doesn't really have, like, a lot of size. Like, he's kind of undersized for his position. Like, he's a power forward, 6'7", 200 pounds, 210 pounds. Like, he kind of fits the build of what the Raptors have been doing for a long time. That's actually probably why they signed Ellenson, because he's 6'10", 240. Like, he's a bigger guy. Raptors could use some size. They could probably play him up the five because he's so big. But my whole thing is, like, the Raptors, because the infrastructure is there, because G League rosters usually change year to year. Like, you only bring back a certain number of guys because some dudes are getting pro contracts out in Europe or South America or um, in the Middle East. You don't really know what the roster is going to look like. So if you have a style and a system that works, you just find the players that work with that system. And there's probably a couple dudes, like, who have showed things on the Raptors 905 that can turn them into 10-day 10 10, 10 deals or potentially something more. Like Gary Payton II has looked really good for the Raptors at times. Like, and I've always been a Gary Payton II fan because he got some run with, I think he played with LA for a little bit. He played for Washington for a little bit. He's a pretty good defender for his size. Not really much of an offensive game, but like very stout, very fundamentally sound defender. He's someone that like, I bet teams will probably take a look at like if Brooklyn had like roster spot available, like I would definitely look at him because he just plays so hard all the time. Uh, Nick Stauskas, Mississauga legend. Like he looked good for the Raptors in 905 at times. Like he could probably find like another 10 day contractor, turn that into a European pro deal. I think he played in Spain last year. I want to say I'm not entirely sure, but the Raptors 905 will always be good because they'll always find guys to fit the system and guys that have been underlooked their career. And they can, if they can turn that into a pro deal somewhere else or some sort of NBA opportunity, the Raptors 905 will always still facilitate like that change. So it'll be interesting to see what happens next year, like if they're in a bubble next year. But Raptors, Raptors 905 will be fine. Like they'll probably compete again. Like as long as they keep the keep the talent and the infrastructure in place that is similar with the Raptors infrastructure, they'll be fine. Well, Donald, again, it's been a pleasure to have you on. Um, you know, hopefully, again, we'll do this again real soon. We got to keep doing these these Raptor updates. See how the the world of basketball is shaping out. I want to do more of these name quizzes, so do the research here again. Why are they called the Denver Nuggets? Because of the gold rush. The, gold the McDonald's rush. sponsorship. That too. What? I'm <laughs> just kidding. I'm kidding. The Denver McNuggets. You're going to have to explain this to me in a second because this is I don't know what you're talking about. Anyway, though, seriously, thank you very much, Donald, for coming on. Um, we will be back in a second. We're going to talk about the NWHL season. Looks like it's resuming. Everyone here rooting for the Toronto Six. Uh, we're going to go a bit more into the new TV deal. Expect to be announced later from the NHL. And apparently there may be some changes coming to the NHL draft lottery. Brian Burke, how are you feeling? We will be back in a second. All right. A lovely, 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 lovely time with Donald as always. What a great guy, eh? Yeah. End of the show. Indeed. Indeed, the friend of the show. And Official. You know what? I, I hope that he gets everything he wants in life because he's a great guy. Well-spoken. Yeah. 
Um, and, you know, just not only just having him on the show, but, you know, when we get to talk to him before it and saying goodbye in the Twitter DMs and all that, it's just, he's a really one of the great guys on the program. Um, and, you know, it's great to have him as a friend of the show. It's so emotional. But anyway, we have so, we actually don't have that much to talk about. <laughs> there is, it's been a slow part of the week, actually, for NHL news. Um, but there is some big stuff. And we talked about it a bit with Will. The Nope, with Donald. God dang it. <laughs> <laughs> I meant Donald, I'm sorry. Because uh... of course you are. What a great guy. Anyway, though, the NHL and its new TV deal. It, uh, it's apparently expected today that they will be announcing a seven-year U.S. broadcast deal. Now, honestly, we were we took such a long intermission there. It may have happened by now. They actually did uh, announce did. it. Yes. Oh, wow. Congrats. <laughs> oh, my God. Congratulations. Oh, my. Okay, so. Oh, my God. So, anyway, it's a seven-year deal, apparently, with ESPN um alex you had some of the details earlier do you want to quickly read it because i'm getting a call i just yeah. urgently need to take yeah no worries I'll, I'll go through uh two tweets i have here so it's an e well it's more a disney deal with nhl obviously because espn is owned uh by disney they also have um abc as well so that's why you hear abc and espn um so the, here it is. ABC and ESPN will have four of the next seven Stanley Cup finals. This is starting next year, not this year. ABC and ESPN will have one conference final each year. There will be 25 regular season games on ABC or ESPN. I'm assuming that's per team. ESPN Plus will stream more than 1,100 games. Uh, and ESPN Plus slash Hulu will exclusively stream 75 national games. Um, that's from Andrew Marshan. He works at the New York Post. I have something from CJ, say, uh, Chris Johnson, obviously, saying expect the NHL's seven-year ESPN deal to be announced later this afternoon at a considerable financial bump from the current U.S. rights agreement, which I believe was $700 million. Wow. Um, Great things. Right as there. I, I just tweeted, huge. huge. That's all I said. Huge. Yes. Huge. Um, huge. Do we have a... Do, am I able to share my screen? Uh, give me one second. Now you okay. can. This is what I remember as a little kid. You know, very little. You know, it was the Mighty Ducks were a thing still. <laughs> um, but I just remember this. Daniel. From ES when last time ESPN had the NHL. So, so I'm showing, I you know, I don't want to show the Jeremy Roenick one for obvious reasons. So I'm showing Scott Gomez <laughs> on the New Jersey Devils. Not because of the Montreal connection, it's because of the video game. I I, I know Adam just left Scott because of Gomez. that. But yeah, these were fun games. I remember I played ESPN NHL 2K5. These were fun games. I should have shown this one. I'm sorry, Adam. Martin St. Louis. That's a good middle ground. But anyways, yeah, that's what I want to show. This is what I thought about when it came to the ESPN deal. So not thinking, not thinking that there's going to be another game to compete with EA, but you know, we don't know what the potential is when it comes to th this deal that the possibilities could be endless. I, we can't hear you, Adam. No. No, we can't hear you, Adam. Um... 
uh, uh, one important thing to remember about this deal is that it's not fully uh, just going to be ESPN and or Disney. Um, they're not the sole rights holders. There is going to be a second um, entity involved in this. Uh, I guess I'm surprised that that hasn't been announced yet. I can go read the press release and maybe they did announce it and I missed it. But that, that's going to be very interesting because there is a couple names, couple companies that I have in mind um, for that. It's going to be very interesting to see when that comes out. Yeah, for sure. Honestly, this is something we've always been talking about. And Donald mentioned it as well. Just in terms of the major league sports, the NHL, it's pretty, it's lagging behind a lot when it comes to revenue, when it comes to viewership that I think this is just going to lead to better, to, to better numbers to frankly, like what we always talk about is the growth of the game because we you know it's, it's easy for us. We always think about that. I think we're spoiled in Toronto. We're spoiled in Montreal sometimes where we don't look at like the bigger picture with things where I don't know why, for some reason, I just think of a kid in, South Dakota or something thinking about hockey or not knowing yet that he's going to, he or she is going to be a fan eventually of hockey. Yeah. That that's a good point. Um, Can you hear me now? Yes. Yes. Adam is back. Okay. Hold on. No, I can't hear you. Okay. Hello. Hello. Are we all good? Can you hear us? What was the last thing you heard from me? Uh, You ran away when I said Scott Gomez. I did not run away, actually. Okay. <laughs> I, fell that was, I fell over. Okay. I very, I wiped out. My beanbags fell again. Like that was like. I Your beanbag? You might need a new chair. Don't, don't Your, wait, your beanbag? Yeah, I had two beanbags stacked on top of each other because I haven't fixed my, my stools again. So, and as you said that, they fell and I wiped out. <laughs> like my Another- mic fell and everything. Another reason to watch the YouTube channel. Yeah, great. Watch yeah. out. Wipe out. Okay. Um, yeah, on the TV deal. Um, you know, um, it, it was... Oh, my God. Okay. All right. Hello. We're going to edit the setup of it here. Um, it's so... It's, it's just... That's it. It's huge. Because, you know, there was... If ESPN and the NHL hadn't had that split back in the day with the lockout, um, you can only imagine what the league would be looking like today. Um, so it's it's better late than never, I guess. Um, but just huge for the NHL. I mean, it really, really is. Um, we talked about advertising all the time on this show. And, you know, we're going to talk about the NWHO, but the Dream Gap Tour for the Women's Player Association, right? I forgot to even i forgot the game in new york was happening because it didn't really feel like the big leagues were even mentioning it like broadcasting i'm oh, sorry sports other than that so like the game it happened i was like oh crap i've missed this <laughs> um and obviously that's not the nhl but knowing hopefully hopefully like hoping that the nhl and you know the women's league do something here um again advertising important and espn's the big dog in town right um so yeah, and then we'll see what happens with um, the other part of the deal. And just uh, once we get the details of the exact numbers, um, can somebody, can you, will you guys remind me, is the TV deal part of hockey-related revenue? Yes. Okay, and the expansion fee is not? No, 
It's okay, not. and what's important about related revenue is when it gets back to a certain point, we're able to raise the cap, which yes. might not be for a while now, but this uh, definitely helps. I believe the number is four and a half billion dollars that they need to hit in order okay to All increase right. the cap yes okay and you know what i think the old tv deal yeah was just under a billion or something in the u.s so like listen if it dwarfs that we're looking good here we're looking really really good here um yes better than nbc is that we hope that jack edwards still has a job somehow and not just locally because they need he's good for the game I think he's really good for the game. Um, Alex, you wanted to talk about other possible uh, networks that could have a piece I, of it? Yeah, I mean, there's two that stand out to me. Like, I, I just don't see Fox being a national rights holder, Fox Sports being a national rights holder. I, I can see NBC being a minority rights holder in this. In in, I know their sports station is supposed to shut down at the end of the season. Um, but I can still see them the odd night showing a hockey game if, the, if they need to. Another one, and I haven't heard much about them being considered, but DAZN has been really big in in other industries. Obviously, they have the they took the Premier League rights uh, from Sportsnet along with, I think, the, the cup competitions there as well. Plus, they have some NFL stuff, but and they already have khl hockey right so hockey isn't necessarily new to them but they are a growing growing entertainment or media company who i think could if not this time around and i know seven years is a long way away but i think they're eventually going to be involved in the nhl it's just a matter of when um, before you keep going quickly, from San, Sean Sapiro, been told the annual so annually ESPN will pay more than four hundred million to the NHL as part of the deal. So I'm guessing that means four hundred a year. Yeah. So, so if, if you put that is... into a calculator, for some reason, when I did it on my phone, it came out as two point eight e nine. That's built two point eight billion dollars over seven e, years. E billion. No e. It's the exponent. I don't know. Don't ask. I'm. We're in journalism. Alex is our. Uh, he's our math guy. Be, it's people, 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 people. Two point eight. <laughs> our uh, four hundred times seven. People, people. I like what you mentioned there with the NBC part, where I know that they're getting rid of the sports section, but I think that there's been a relationship with the audience already that's been built there that they could still have a minority stake with that. That they could still show some games here and there. Yeah, you hope so. Um, anything else, guys? You want to add? Plus, they have the staff, mm-hmm. right, uh, to to still do that. It's yes, they're probably going to cut some of those guys um, who were part of that broadcast. But if they're going to stay in, that saves jobs in the media. And I think we need that right now. Just wanted to point that out. Yeah. All right. Um, moving on, lads. Would you rather talk about the NWHL to start or the draft lottery changes? Uh, NWHL. Let's okay. get nuts. Uh, this is really, really good news for women's hockey. Uh, a little bit from the Canadian press via Sportsnet here. Uh, we'll get another you're, chance. You're, uh, uh, no, you're cutting in and out. So I pause it. I pause it. Whenever you're ready. All right. Uh, NWHL news. Great stuff here for the women's game. Um, the National Women's Hockey League plans to complete its playoff March 
26 to 27 in Brighton, Massachusetts, after its COVID-19 bubble burst in Lake Placid, New York, last month. This is a Canadian press article via Sportsnet. Um, why does this matter? Well, obviously, women's hockey, big deal. Um, now, this is what we want to know about, lads. Um, the Toronto Six, the team we're all rooting to win here, will be facing the Boston Pride. And then the other side of the semis will be Minnesota versus the Connecticut Whale, who I do not like because can we stop ripping off the Whalers, please? Um, but fantastic news. The three games will be televised. And uh, Sorry, and then um, – so all the, the semis will happen on the 26th, followed by the championship game the following day. The three games would be televised on NBCSN and streamed on NBA Sports digital platforms. The games would be streamed on Twitch in Canada. So, um, fantastic news because not only do they get to finish their season, but the games are going to be national on NBC. And that was a big criticism when the season shut down for them before they didn't get their national games, but at least they're getting it now. Uh, yeah. Sure. yeah, Daniel, you want to go first? Yeah, uh, for sure. Like when everything kind of happened with like uh, Placid and we just didn't know where the direction of things were going. I like that not only the effort is back, but they've kind of doubled down on it. Mm -hmm. That they're kind of ensuring that every avenue you're kind of looking at now, especially with the TV one, that you're going to be able to see these games, that the accessibility aspect of it is going to be there and they're going to be able to kind of get those numbers up. They're going to be able to get that support up. So that's just, just great news. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I think it's, I think it's really important that they uh, get to finish their tournament. And I think there was a lot of speculation. I think when it, things shut down, it seemed like it was canceled. And I think that obviously clearly not the case and it's really good to get it, get things back and go, going and i think you made an important point that the final is going to be nationally televised by nbc and and what's better than any type of final hockey and whether in in whatever sport it's always the best mm. right um hey you know it's um our, i'm guessing that we're all rude for toronto the win by the way yeah yes yeah, could you be? Could you imagine if you know if they do lose to Boston? By the way, it I feel like it would be the worst thing because then they're truly be kind of christened as as real Toronto sports teams to kind of be losing to Boston again. I think <laughs> poetry, really. Um, we also have some news more in the NHL to do with the draft lottery. Now it sounds like the draft itself, by the way. Looks like it's going to stay in July, which is unfortunate. Um, it's going to be great to look back on this draft and really think about where certain guys go in draft rankings because it could be uh, – throw everything you know out the window, really. Um, so this was originally from Chris Johnson. These are some of the um, changes to the draft that the NHL – or so the draft lottery that the NHL are going to send to the Board of Governors. This is per Chris Johnson. Teams will be limited to no more than two lottery wins in a five-year period. Teams would only be allowed to jump 10 spots with a lottery win. Teams would be, sorry, there would be a reduction in the number of picks decided by the lottery from three to two. Uh, and these changes, for some stupid reason, uh, if they were approved, will not be into effect until 2022. So, I don't know. 
whatever i mean okay um but again brian burke has been lobbying for these types of changes forever now (laughs) and i'm not gonna lie i'm i'm kind of a fan of of how it looks like they want to go this route he's been in the job for what less than two months now yep and he's always been on you're right he's always has been on and now he's got the all the things you've wanted in place yeah he's got crosby He's got the draft lottery changes coming. Uh, and apparently on Monday, it was reported by Friedman that the final decision on whether to postpone or not would come in the next few days in the draft. But again, nothing official, but it's really, really sounds like it's going to stay. Again, CBA issues were just too much of, a, of, 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 of an issue, especially with our brights and all that type of stuff. So we got the least, we got the haves. Where do we want to start, guys? We'll start with the haves. Okay. Good. I like that decision. Um, a rough loss to the Canucks. Um, a game where, I mean, Carey Price is, is really turning his season around. Yeah, you can say it's only three games, but you take the decision. Um, a last-minute sort of defensive egg-laying just sort of led to the Canucks tying the game up, and then they would win in the shootout because the shootout is a joke. Um and it's it's a real story for Montreal. Somehow they are 0-7 outside of regulation this year. I think they are the only team who have not won outside. I think the Islanders had a shootout win the other day. And now as a result, Montreal, that sole team. What the hell is happening? I don't know. It's like a mixed bag, I think, of after those huge changes, it's it's not like, you know, they're riding a streak or anything, but it's just kind of a back and forth. Like I'm, I'm, I'm happy that, you know, it's not kind of like a slump, but it's kind of more of a consistency issue. In what way? What for? For, I think like, you know, you're going to have the Winnipeg game and then you're going to have the Vancouver game where I know it was close, but it's just, man, like to, to kind of like just keep things together at the like at the end. It's it's like sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say <clears throat> I don't know if I necessarily agree with with that with what Daniel's saying there. I don't know if it's a lack of consistency. <clears throat> I see it more of I think this team looks different under Dominic Ducharme than they did under the last part of Claude Julian. Whether that is they that Dominic Ducharme actually has the room now or they're actually playing different. I think a lot of it is more crappy bounces and that happens. It's hockey. It's the, it's, it's so random that, you know, one bad bounce can completely change the entire game. And I think maybe that's what's happening here because I, from what I've heard from Adam, I don't necessarily see it as, you know, you don't go from beating Winnipeg 7-1 and then barely beating Vancouver. You know, the 7-1 Vancouver, I want to talk about bounces. Uh, the 7-1 game was seriously, you could not have worse bounces for Vancouver and luckier for, like the first goal when Hellebuck went to play the puck behind the net, but it was just this incredibly lucky bounce right to uh, to Joss Anderson. It's like, you couldn't write that. Um I don't know if it's like consistency. Like again, you know, since they've Ducharme has come in, you can definitely tell there's been a change. And again, it's just 
they, they were playing really, really well. Um, mm-hmm. And again, special teams continue to give them momentum, which is huge. They, they killed off a five on three from the Canucks early in the first period. It was just, they blew it in the last minute 30. Um, I think it's more an issue of like, are there still the growing pains of Ducharme? I guess, but like, and then again, how many games under his tenure do we really have to go off of? I, I don't know exactly. Like regulation, we always know what they're going to be in five on five, but like, you just look at the standings and I think of the seven games they've lost in regulation, right? Sorry, outside of reg. Imagine if you had three of those points, three of those seven that you've just sort of lost. Like it's not biting them yet because I mean, we'll see what these two games coming up after tonight, I think on Thursday and maybe like Friday or Saturday against the flames. Like those are massive games for Montreal, but I just, it feels like the moment they hit three on three, I don't know what the issue is there. It's just they can't just seem to play well. Like, they can't get the puck. And, like, we started even seeing the three forward, like, stuff. And, you know, there was a bit of flash of brilliance there. But it's just – I don't know how they can just be so bad on three on three. It just seems to be one – like, one issue is solved, another arises. Like, obviously, they have their five-on-five play. When they figure out special teams, well, now, God damn it, here we are in three on three – I remember how they played four-on-four hockey against the Leafs. That game, they got picked apart because they couldn't seem to play it that game. I don't know what it is, but, like, they have talent, too. I mean, like, it just makes sense. Yeah, I was going to – I was about to say that as well. Like, it's not like their entire team is filled with um, big guys who can't skate. Obviously, their team is a mix of skill – speed and size and and that's why the point i made at the beginning of the season where they're going to be a montreal based on what's on paper is they're going to be a very difficult team for a, a lot of a lot of teams in the canadian division so the fact that three on three you throw out suzuki you throw out Kodkinyemi, you throw out tatar like you have, and that's just the beginning of the list. Like these are, there's guys on this team who are fast and it's three on three. Like that's where these guys excel, where those fast guys and skilled guys should excel. It's just, it's weird. I don't know if it's a difference of, you know, you have to make a quick pass if you're facing the Canadians because they had, you know, that's that they're a team that the moment the other team has the puck, it's they got two guys on you. Like they're forechecking that, and they're just sort of bite to get the puck. Is they might be the hardest working team in the division, but it's just I don't know if you can just sort of play that bite you in the corner style on OT again because it's just so much wide open ice. Right. It's weird. It's really, really weird, and it's just you can't be going into those frames and just automatically think you're going to lose. And at that point, you might think it. And guess what? Yola Armia didn't touch three on three last night. He didn't. So I, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's uh, you'd love to see Ducharme start trusting Alex Romanov because you'd expect him to just love that sort of play. I don't know, man. And then the shootout is, I know a lot of people were getting mad at Tomas Tatar because his third attempt, he tried to be fancy and go through the legs, but at least he was trying something. Druid and Suzuki, I mean, it wasn't great. It wasn't great, man. And then tonight they have... The game that I have been dreading all year. 
They play the Canucks again, but it's an 11 p.m. start. Oh, these are so late. On a school night? I would have taken it if it was last night because we don't have class on Wednesdays. That's why we record on Wednesdays in the weekday. But And we have to get our eight hours of sleep. I, I don't know, man. It's going to be rough. I don't know if I can. I don't know if I'm going to be able to watch all of it. If that goes to overtime, uh, <laughs> I don't. Whoever made the decision to allow that game to start at 11 p.m. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. Is re- and again, it, yeah, it's it's in Vancouver. I get it. But it's, it's 10 even 8 p.m.s or, yeah, or whatever. But like, I've rarely seen 10:30 starts, much less 11. The only time you see a 10:30 start is when it's like Anaheim versus San Jose, and that's a 7:30 start time there. <clears throat> so maybe it makes sense, but that's very well, weird. And those are two Californian teams, by the way. Right? Yeah. Exactly. But, like, come on. Again, like they made the exception for Toronto on Saturday. Could you not have done it for Montreal on Wednesday? I mean, not even. Don't give me 7 p.m. Like, I would hate if I'm a player. Like, if you, I, I imagine a lot of like the Vancouver and Leafs players probably hated Saturday because that messes with their schedule if you move up a game. Like, yeah. we, we forget the, the creatures of habits that are NHL players. Like, I just don't get why you, you did this. Like, come on. Like, <laughs> I don't know, man. It's going to be rough. It's going to be really, really rough. Um, the Leafs, by the way, we'll, we'll shift gears here. They've not won a game since Chris Johnson tweeted they were a juggernaut. So this is, uh, this is all Chris Johnson's fault. I just want to point this out. Um, yeah. Actually, subject. <clears throat> we still love him. If he wants to come on the show, he's obviously more than welcome to. Yeah. But this is still all his fault. Yeah. And I think he knows it. He's he's rolling with it. He's he has to. It doesn't no. seem like he uh he has much choice. I, they haven't they couldn't beat Vancouver. Um they haven't won since since the three games against the Oilers. So that's two games against Vancouver and one game against Winnipeg. And I think that this is my opinion. Um, and I, I think they were the better team in all three games. I think the, I think for the first part of the season, they got very lucky with bounces going their way and just being able to win games when they really shouldn't have. And we've talked about it on the show. Like, I think there were multiple games where the other team should have won. And now I think it's starting to bite them in the behind. Um, but I do think, you know, they got oh, – last night they got goalied. I think Connor Hellebuck was, again, clearly he was the, the reason he was the Vesna winner last year. Uh, Demko – I mean, just in general, Demko's looked – much better the last few games, even after uh, the Toronto series. They got to get out of the rut. And I think that's the most important thing here is that they have to get out of this rut without going back to old habits. Mm -hmm. That's the most important thing here. I saw the line rushes that uh, Travis Boyd is taking the Austin Matthews spot right now. Uh, practices this morning yeah 
on power play or regular? A regular, because it's Austin Matthews is absent from the practice. Well, and that leads to our next point because Matthews is clearly playing hurt. Like we know it. Like we've known yes. for a few games now since there is that clip of him on the bench wrapping up his wrist. And like they, Sheldon Keith can say what he wants, even if it was nagging him to start the season. It's, I mean, he scored. He scored twice last night, didn't he? Or just once? Twice. Uh, twice. Twice. Yes. And he's at he's at twenty goals now. But the, the question becomes because leading up to the trade deadline, the Leafs' schedule is actually not that bad. That's why Friedman was talking about if they're making a trade soon, it's it's going to be pretty soon because of the, the way their schedule is. This would impact their season. The Leafs what like. Would also not make sense then at this point. I think we talked about it a bit last show or in a call or text. We just we talk so much; it's just, it all blends together <laughs> at some point. Uh, Is that a bad but, thing or a good? Because we're great friends. Well, it's not. Well, yeah, we are. But it just no for the podcast. When oh yeah, yeah, no, no, I know, I know, I know. It's like when you listen to Hockey Central, you watch the broadcast, and Thirty One Thoughts, and Jeff Merrick mentions the same points in all three shows, and you're like, I you know this. <laughs> It's like, how many times have we probably said in the same conversation and gone on the show and said something? It's like, I don't know how many times. It's like a parrot. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, what was I going to say? Yeah, I mean, like, Matthews. at any point in this season, what it takes one bad shot, by the way. One bad shot in the lane, and, like, something could – it could make Matthews' wrist worse. I don't get – for a second, and maybe this is just the NHL and the way it is. Why the hell he's not sitting to rest that and get it to 100%? Donald talked about it. NBA players with a bad injury, something was not even bad, minor, and they'll take a whole week to sort of figure it out. Yeah. Would a few, uh, would a week or two not deal with Matthews right now? Pretty I'm, well. I'm not entirely sure what the plan, what the game plan here is with Matthews. And I agree with you. I would say that. Listen, if he needs to sit a week or two and then you we know his wrist will be 99% rather than 75% or whatever it is now, I say you do it. You have the lead in the division. And I mean, whether it's six points or eight points or whatever, you have a lead in the division. You know that you have depth pieces that you can throw in there, plus moving guys up, right? Hyman mm-hmm. doesn't have to play on the third line. He can play in the top six if you want him to. Same with Mikheyev. You have guys you can move up there. They played well without Matthews before. They held McDavid pointless two games without Matthews. Like, mm-hmm. I, I get, I think that has to say something to someone. Whether it's blown out of proportion or not, I think... Toronto fans have to get, hey, we want to we we were able to do this without Austin Matthews. I think sitting him a week, a week and a half, or whatever, is not the end of the world. And considering that, you know what they're playing, they're not playing many games the next few, uh, the next two weeks. They play Winnipeg tomorrow night, Winnipeg Saturday, and then they play Ottawa Sunday. And then they don't have a game until the Friday. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's four games in a week and a half. That's time to like, yeah, regroup in between and kind of look at really what the game plan is and what's going to work. I think these back-to-backs, these, these games that have been kind of going on where you'll, you'll see like them going like every other day. I think that, 
they'll need this. They'll definitely need that. And when you come to think about like what Elliot Freeman said about a trade, like I, I, I really agree that I don't know. My my mind is already, and I know it's it's not good to like it's already fixated on Eric Stahl. Because I think Buffalo will just take well, not not whatever, but they'll take at least some degree of compensation to just to get something out of him. I know we were gonna do do this. I think next week, mm-hmm. but there's two important positions. Yeah. I, I'm not gonna get. I'm not gonna name yeah. names, but just to go with Daniel's point there, there's two positions that need to be addressed, and it's up to the it's up to Dubis at the end of the day to determine what's more important at the moment. You need a second line left wing to play with John Tavares and William Nylander, or you need a third line center. You just, they need to decide that's where the improvement's going to come. It's not like you're not going to go out there and get another defenseman. Like you might get a depth defenseman so that Martin Marinson never actually has to touch the ice. But you're not going to go out there and mess with the defense who's actually looked more competent in the last like i don't know since january 15th then i don't know since forever i've never seen a competent defense in this city yeah and again you know getting depth guys and may not play right away i mean how many times have we said this before you need so many defensemen in the playoffs yeah. so god damn many um and you'll at least have those guys who are going to be the stable force like of course they got the riley they got muzz they got barry no, not they Barry, don't have sorry. Barry. Hall, um, Brody. No, I didn't mean, yeah, I meant, I meant Brody. Brody. And do you know, if you have to, I know he plays the right, but you could always go the Tampa situation and just stack the left side of Morgan, of Brody. Like, you obviously don't want to because you want, I mean, there's no one else who should play with Brody other than Morgan Riley. No. But there is, a, like, seriously, you know, there are options, right? But again, Get defensemen. Get defensemen. Honestly, you know, center depth is important. I, I like the Eric style, but yeah, we'll talk about that. We are planning on doing a trade deadline preview with the Canadian teams, really. Um, We're not going to stay on during the trade deadline, like from the morning until Absolutely the not. There's going to be no Canadian action or very limited amounts. The reason we're doing that, by the way, is as as Alex is alluding to. Now, obviously, teams that when 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 Canadian teams are making deals with players involved in like American teams, they got to do the two week quarantine. So, we might have a bit of a different trade deadline with Canadian teams. That will be about two weeks mm-hmm. before. Um, there there might be like depth moves. Like I wouldn't be surprised if Buddy in Winnipeg goes and gets like a. 13th forward or 7th on the deadline itself, but if there's a big move to be made and an for one, it's probably going to be done early. Um, so we're going to be doing that preview show probably next Sunday Not this one. Soon. We'll see. We'll talk about it after the show. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. We have been on the Zoom call for three hours. Yes, we have. I don't know if you can tell, but uh, I'm extremely tired. Okay, I think that is everything. If you care, everyone, Astros right-hander Forrest Whiteley, one of the team's top pitching prospects, will need Tommy John surgery. What is Tommy John surgery? It's the arm, so it's the pitching arm, so it's like here. It's like a ligament. Tommy John's based on like the doctor that discovered how to do this for pitchers. Mm -hmm. So it's a thing that like 
every single pitcher has gone through. And um, it's basically like a like the timeline to recover from it is like an ACL. So it's like a full year. Wow. Oh, tough. It's like what happened with Marco Rossi. It's going to miss like the whole year. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. Well, that's everything. Um, if you enjoyed this episode of the show, be sure to check out the YouTube to get a visual experience, watch a video version of the podcast, because of course you would. Uh, be sure to check out the show's Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Remember the Facebook? Yeah. yeah. All that type of stuff. Um, thank you, the voice set, as always, for being a fantastic platform for the show. Check us out on the iOS podcast app, Spotify, all that kind of stuff. And on the podcast app, leave us five stars. I still want to know who left two stars. So we'll talk. You're wrong. Thanks, guys. <laughs>